0: Another episode of Two Guys in a Chainsaw. I'm Todd. I'm Craig. And today we went with the 2009 thriller, torture porn, (laughs) comedy, I guess. (laughs) Rom-com, if
1: you will. Maybe. (laughs) The Loved Ones. Greg, you've been wanting me to watch this movie forever. I've been trying to get you to watch this for a long time. Um, you, uh, Todd does, every Halloween he does, uh, 30 days or 31 days, uh, where he watches a horror movie every day for the month of October and then does write-ups uh, about him. And so when I saw this, I uh, suggested this for one of them, but I could never get him to (laughs) watch it. And then, you know, we've been doing this uh, podcast for a while now, and every time we'd talk about what might we do this week, I would always throw this one in the hat, and for one reason or another, we'd end up picking something else until... (laughs) Finally, uh, I said, let's just do it, and can you get off my back (laughs) (laughs)
0: already? I don't want to hear about the loved ones anymore. So
1: So we finally did it, and here it is.
0: Well, I have to say, I think it was a pretty good choice. I enjoyed this movie more than I thought I would. Actually... I thought it was a deeper movie than I was expecting.
1: You know, me too. And the funny thing is, I've seen this before, but just the once. And that's been quite a while ago. I mean, maybe two or three years ago. And I had kind of forgotten some of the more subtle plot points. And you don't really realize until kind of the last half hour that there's a little bit more going on underneath Mm -hmm. the surface than just straight-up torture porn, which you get a lot of in this movie. Correct.
0: And it's interesting because that dawns on you probably about halfway through, doesn't it? Or maybe three-quarters of the way through. You realize, oh, yeah, why in the world are we juxtaposing these horrible scenes of torture with these rather serene scenes of the rest of the family? And then these odd humorous but also kind of sad scenes of this other couple at the dance right and you go oh there's a point to be made here
1: right uh-huh. and there's a there's a connection i mean and, but the connection isn't revealed until later on and even just watching it this time i had forgotten i had been asking myself well, there's the there's a central story, but then there's kind of this other uh, story about these two kids who go off uh, to the school dance, and it keeps cutting back to them, and at first you think it's just for comedy, mm-hmm. um, and then things start to get, not necessarily darker, but a little more serious, until finally you do realize that the, that side plot is connected to the main plot, and uh, then... You kind of feel bad for laughing, you know, it's kind of, it's sad. It is. Well, the the story
0: starts out with a guy, a kid named Brent. Yeah. Driving along with his dad in the car. He's driving. He probably is 16 years old, just got his license. This is an Australian film, by the Mm -hmm. way, so it takes place in Australia. And there's a guy in the middle of the road who's kind of cut up and gross and... Brent and his dad really aren't paying attention and see this guy a little too late and Brent swerves to miss him. Comes back around, basically wraps his car around a tree and the next time we see Brent six months later, he's a totally different person.
1: Yeah, in the beginning in that car scene, it's really kind of a pleasant, you know, light conversation between father and son. And then there's this, this you can tell, I mean, you don't see really the aftermath aside from the exterior of the car, but it was a terrible accident. And it cuts to six months later, and the kind of i mean he always kind of had a grungy look with like the longer hair or whatever he listens to heavy metal music which his dad was kind of ribbing him about but when we cut to six months later we cut to them to him uh brent in his high school and he just looks worn down uh more you know he's pale he disheveled um so obviously in that six months He's recuperated from whatever injuries he may have sustained in the car accident, but something's wrong, yeah, yeah.
0: He has a friend. I never caught his friend's name
1: uh man Jamie Jamie was the friend's name.
0: Jamie's friend uh, is there. Jamie turns out to be it's interesting. We get this Jamie character in here, and he approaches Brent and they just have a quick little exchange. Mm-hmm. And this girl that Jamie's never seen before or something come, maybe comes walking down the hall, and she's totally gothed out. Right, all blacks, long black hair, pale. In herself, you know, goes to her locker, and uh, Brent decides to chase after her. It's It's like that scene in, you know, the beginning of some 80s... High school, you know, sex comedy. Oh yeah, dance it's exactly movie. like that. Exactly and like the that. whole movie actually has parallels, doesn't right, it? To yeah. like Pretty in Pink or something like yeah, that. Absolutely. And he goes to chase after her.
1: Yes, she said yes.
0: <laughs> so we're right. going to the dance. Right. <laughs> in the meantime, suddenly, just creepily, this girl pops up around the corner uh, towards Brent, and her name is Lola, mm-hmm. and she's.
1: Spacey? I don't know. I mean, she's a little mousy. She she seems shy. I mean, uh, the the first girl that we talked about, her name was Mia, the goth girl, and she's mm. you know goth. But if you're into that, very beautiful girl. Yeah. And then this girl comes around, and and she seems a little bit more. I don't know, down home. I mean, she, she mm. seems like she would be the quiet girl at school. Um, she's in some kind of like cute pink sweater, like maybe even a little too cute, like a little bit young for her. And her parents are like rolled up to her knees. Her jeans are rolled yeah, up to her knees. And her hair is a little mousy and a little disheveled. And um, she approaches him in very, very timidly.
0: Will you go to the dance with me?
1: <sighs> <sighs> Sorry, Lola. I'm done with Holly. I mean, it seems like she's tried to muster up her courage to ask. And he's nice. He says, I'm sorry, Lola, but I'm going with Holly. He's got a girlfriend, Holly. Um, And then he turns around and walks away, and she just kind of watches him walk away. And he goes outside, and Holly is waiting for him. And she, again, uh, you know, a girl that you would have gone to high school with, Mm -hmm. pretty, but not, like, actress, movie star pretty. Yeah. And uh, he tells her... Somebody else asked me to the dance, and she says, "Well, who was it?" But he won't tell. Uh, and then they go off together. She's just gotten her license, and so uh, they go off together and start making out in the car. And as the makeout session progresses, and it's getting pretty hot and heavy, um, she kind of keeps teasing him and asking, "You know, who is it? Who is it? Who is it?" But he won't tell. And then they get really hot and heavy. You know, they're getting down. The, the windows are steaming up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we see outside the window Lola just standing and watching them. Mm-hmm. I
0: mean, you know, like right outside it's, it's the It's almost garden.
1: comical yeah. in a
0: way, but it's also extremely creepy. Right, <laughs> and, right. And at the same time, the, the filmmaker's teasing us as well. She notices that he has... Cuts all over
1: his leg. When he takes off, I couldn't tell if it was his his leg or maybe it was his his abdomen or something like that. Could have been. Yeah, when he takes off his shirt, I think, is when you see that he's clearly got cutting scars and he's wearing a razor blade around his neck uh, on a chain. And it seems like she kind of must know about it. It seems like she's a little bothered by it, but it's not a shock to her. So she must know this has been going on. And then she takes him home. She says, as he's getting out, I love you. He kisses her, and then she says, I love you. And he turns back to her and doesn't say it, but gives her another kiss and gets out. And then he tells her, he says, it was Lola. It was Lola Stone. And she kind of teasingly says, well, maybe you should go with her. Um, yeah, maybe
0: maybe she doesn't mind if her boyfriend's an emotional retard. So right, she says,
1: <laughs> right, really sensitive. She's
0: calling him, it's, uh, It's interesting. He's obviously... And then when he comes inside and his mother is just... Just down, um, yeah, and just really spaced out. Honestly, not really there. And you realize that her, his dad didn't survive the car crash, right. and what we're seeing is a damaged family. Right. Uh, he is cutting himself. He's, I guess, he's listening to this hard rock music all the time. Did you do a really good job with the music in this film?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't recognize any of it, but I imagine it's yeah. probably popular Australian artists would be my guess it's good music and they do use it to effect really well it really
0: there's this is another one of those films where there's hardly a moment that's not underscored but it's not always a score it's sometimes pop songs or right. rock songs And the way that it jumps between these moments of silence and these moments of him uh, either, lots of times it's because the music's in the car playing or because he has his headphones Uh. on. There's an interesting moment where he's in his room and it's just, and his mom comes in and when she does, he pulls his headphones out and the music stops for
1: us. Right. And there'll be other moments where it'll be a really quiet moment and then there'll be a really jarringly loud music cue um, mm-hmm. that kind of takes you by surprise and introduces uh, a new tone or a new scene or whatever. Uh, yeah, I thought, it was, I thought it was good. I feel like in a way it kind
0: of puts us in this emotional state of these characters. I mean, not only are they teenagers and they're... Emotions are flying back and forth all the time, but he's also going through a lot, and he's got a lot to deal with from day to day. He's got to go, come home and be kind of nice to his mom. He's got to be there for his girlfriend. He has to deal with his dad's death, right. and he's having a hard time with that, and so he's doing things like cutting himself. He's doing things like... Smoking weed, Smoking drinking. weed when he was really critical of his dad firing up a cigarette. Right. You know, th- those changes are pretty obvious, but they're very realistic. Yeah. And I felt like the director did a great job of getting us inside that mindset. I really yeah. felt
1: what he was feeling in many in many ways. Well, and I, you know, we're a couple of oldies, but, you know, it, it felt very young. You know, it felt realistic. Like, when you are a teenager, and I, you know, music is important in everybody's lives, but really when you're a teenager, you really kind of, the music you listen to is kind of your niche, kind of your thing. That's right. Um, and, and you get a sense of that, and you get a sense of the characterization uh, based on the music, too. And really, the style... I don't know much about this director other than that he hadn't really done much before this except shorts. Yeah. Um, I think he was fresh out of film school. Yeah. More or less. And it kind of has... I mean, it's got a young vibe to it and it's almost got like a... I don't want to say exactly music video vibe, but there's something about that. I mean, the music feels... Kind of integral to the storytelling.
0: Yeah, well, and the music, the visuals parallel the music, the the music a lot. Yeah, it's not just underscoring something, but it's it's part and parcel of the picture. I'm thinking specifically, maybe you are too, of the scene where then he ends up leaving the house and he goes and starts rock climbing, mm-hmm. and he's climbing, and the music is really quite interesting there. And then he gets to a certain point, and he puts his hand on the ledge, and he leans back and he closes his eyes and you do wonder is he going to kill himself Mm -hmm. is he thinking that he's going to be just one hand grasp away from
1: ending his own pain yeah I mean he's upset because his mom comes in to talk to him about the dance and she's concerned about the fact that um, Holly is going to be driving them Holly's picking me up she doesn't even have a license she got it today I'll give you money for a cab.
0: What's the difference? It's still a car. I'm still in a car.
1: But they're experienced. And I wasn't so Dad Doc. So it, you get the sense that, you know, he's really struggling with it. He kind of feels either responsible or feels that his mom kind of holds him responsible, mm-hmm. which, again, that would be, you know, realistically, that would be a really difficult dynamic. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's a tragic loss, and you would have feelings of anger and, and blame and guilt and, and all of those things. And that's what we all go through. A lot of, t- you know,
0: whenever you have a loss or wherever you do something or are involved in some way in some accident or something that's really bad, not only are you questioning yourself, But you're also questioning how other people are seeing you. Right. Right. Do they blame me? Do they? Whatever. And so it's just a doubling and tripling and quadrupling down of guilt and emotions from all directions. Absolutely. And that's what this kid's going through. And you totally get that sense with this film. I thought the film did a fantastic job of really hammering that home without your dumb tropes. Without them getting in some kind of ridiculous argument. Storming out of the house or something. Uh, It took its time, and when you say it was kind of like a music video, I felt like, yeah, it played like a music video where... The dialogue isn't usually even there. Right. But the story is told through the images with the music behind it, and you just get this sense
1: and this feeling. Absolutely. And then as he's going to that cliff face uh, that he climbs, again, it's very, you know, he's kind of walking in slow motion to this hard music, um, and, you know, the the vibe is kind of this angry rock. And he, he takes the uh, razor blade off of his neck, and as he's walking, he just squeezes both hands oh, into yeah. face and the blood is just running down his arm. And it's a really interesting visual. And then, absolutely, you know, he gets to the rock face and you have that scene. He's he's got his dog with him, but he's climbing. And, of course, you know, it's not like a safe climb with, like, you know, ropes and whatnot. It's just angry. I'm just... Like, he's been there before. He's done it many
0: times. Right. But he's definitely uh, trying to get out some steam.
1: Yeah, and it's almost maybe kind of self-destructive. Like... Mm -hmm we're wondering, is he going to jump? Is he going to fall? And you kind of get the sense, you know, he's he's climbing well, but kind of carelessly, almost like, I don't know, not that he wants to fall, but if he did, you know, so what? Uh, and that scene, like, like you said, where he kind of hangs back, it really, I felt like, gave you a good idea of the state of mind that he was in, and it's a dark state of mind. O- eventually, his foot slips, and he grabs onto the rock, and so... He's not ready to die yet. Exactly. And it's communicated well. <laughs> it is. Right? Um, and so he climbs up there and he's smoking a bowl and um, he's got his earbuds in. His mom's worried about him. She's trying to call. He's not answering. Um, and then we see and kind of muffled through the music, hear his dog barking at something and see the dog barking at something. And then the dog stops barking. And then we see this guy, this very ominous looking guy, coming up behind him. And we can't see the guy's face, but, you know, it's kind of that classic, he's like in workman's pants and work boots. Um, it's like you know, it's Creek or something. Exactly. <laughs> you, you know it's not going to be good. And that was a cool scene too, I thought.
0: The framing, uh, the composition in some of these shots where you get this guy coming up behind him and it's very ominous and the kid's obviously going to get it somehow. But what you see in a slightly off-focus manner in the corner of the frame is he pulls out almost a rag mm-hmm. and he fiddles with it in his hand for a second it just ups the tension and you know what's coming comes over behind him and grabs him you know with that rag knocks him out there must have been some core chemical form or core something form, right. um and drags him away in the meantime we are flipping back to his friend yeah uh, who is going to pick up this girl and it's funny again it, and again it's it's out of these films he's He's just finishing up smoking a doobie real quick, kind of puts it out, starts spraying al cologne and aftershave all <laughs> yeah, over himself. It looked
1: like the, the, I think it was actually like aerosol deodorant. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it was it was he sprayed ridiculous. it all over.
0: <laughs> and he's got banaca, he's like squirting in his mouth and all this stuff. And then, all right, he looks in the mirror and he goes, I'm a rock star. <laughs> yeah. And, and he's been in the car across the street from this girl, uh, Mia, yeah. who he's going to pick up. And what comes next is a very odd scene. It's good and it's awkward and it's funny, but it's also rather sad where Mia comes storming out of the house before he can even get to the door and he's dressed in a you know, kind of half nice way.
1: Well, he's got one of those tuxedo t-shirts on. He's got like a, a like a, like a a beige, like, I don't know, like smoker's jacket or, or something like that on. And,
0: and some roses. Yeah. So it's like, it's really quite sweet. I thought, oh, this cute kid, you know? Oh, you can I, tell he's super psyched to be going out with this hot girl. Yeah, and she <laughs> comes towards him and she's in all black and she's looking pretty good. But, you know, she wants to get, she's, let's just go. And she grabs the roses and kind of stops for a minute. And there's just this moment where you think maybe she's never really received roses right. before. Right. She doesn't really know how to react. You worry that she's going to laugh at him. Right. But then you get this sense that she doesn't even know what to make of it. Yeah, yeah. And it's just a brief, you know, few seconds. But so much is communicated in those few seconds. Yeah,
1: and it's funny. You said it's, it's kind of sad. It is, but not until you know the context later. You know, here mm-hmm. it still feels very much like a teen comedy where here come, you know, she's kind of the stereotypical goth girl. You know, she uh, looks very sullen. You know, she doesn't smile. Um, and her parents come out and want to take pictures. And her dad is a cop. He's in uh, in uniform. And she goes along with it, but you can tell, like, come on, seriously, just do it and get it over with. And then they go off to the dance together. But even there, I thought, with her parents and
0: the way that they tr- acted and reacted, it was as though they were beside themselves. You know? Yeah. There's not much spoken. The dad kind of looks at the kid. He doesn't rib him or doesn't do anything. He almost gives him looks like good luck with my daughter tonight. Right. But not in a comical way, but almost in a, I really don't know what's going to happen. Um, but
1: Yeah, but not, not comical, but also not unrealistic. No, you know, not that, at all. That <laughs> Oftentimes there is that kind of big disconnect between kids, especially kids if they're struggling with anything. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of the, the sense that you get that they kind of don't know what to do with her. Yeah. Or for her, maybe. Yeah,
0: and, and her dad being a cop and introducing that element right then and there really nails that home a little bit. I don't know. You just get that sense with a a family where the dad's a cop Mm -hmm. and he's got this young, beautiful daughter who's rebelling. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But he is the face of authority. Right. You can just... Imagine in your head, in those few minutes, while she's standing out there and interacting with them, what her life must be like at home.
1: Right. But the parents, you know, they they come across as nice and warm, you Mm -hmm. know, it seems like they really want to see her off. It's not like we watched Excision a few weeks ago, where (laughs) there was kind of a similar kind of goth, dark girl, but you got why she was messed up, because her mom was a beast. You know, you don't get that feeling here. No, not at all. And you don't get that feeling from anybody,
0: really. Yeah. They're all really real people. Yeah. And... Up to this point, oh
1: gosh, things get so crazy in a little bit. They sure do. (laughs) Up to this point, it seems, uh, you know, the people we've met seem relatively normal. The next thing we see, I believe, is uh, the car that um, presumably has Brent in it, uh, he's been abducted in, stops at a chicken place. And then we see it driving kind of down a dirt road. It seems like it's kind of going out of town on the outskirts of town. Drives by a uh, roadkill, like a possum or something on the yeah. road. But as soon as it drives by, stops and then backs up and the car door opens and you see the some man's hand pull the roadkill into the car. <laughs> it's really funny uh, and odd at the right. same time. Right. <laughs> well, and then you're thinking this could be very... Typical, you know? Mm -hmm. This could just be your typical crazy slasher guy. Yes, Texas Chainsaw
0: kind of deal. They're definitely setting it up for that, piece by piece, bit by
1: bit. And then we cut to this really odd scene where there's this girly kind of song playing in the background. It reminded me, again, I'm showing my age, but it reminded me like, early Juliana Hatfield kind Mm -hmm. of thing um, where it's, you know, this kind of melodic pretty girl singing am I not pretty enough and um, a little bit of angst in there but but soft you know much softer than anything we've seen before and we're cutting to these images that at first seem like typical things that you would see in a girl's bedroom and it's all really close up and you see some dolls and things but as this it's a very very short scene but as it goes on the more that you see like these dolls are positioned in like really sexually explicit yeah. positions and some of them have been kind of mutilated or I don't even know how to describe it but you something's weird yeah. it's it's weird and then is that when we see that it's Lola in yeah. her room. Lola's flipping through her scrapbook. Scrapbook
0: there. And she has pasted in Brent's picture. Right. With a heart over it and a little red dot sort of on his forehead. And Dad comes into the room. And this is when we... First, we know that this is the guy who's been stopping and getting the chicken and all that. Right. And...
1: It is a very odd exchange between them. Um, well, yeah, the whole thing's odd. I mean, I think that she hears him come home and she meets him outside, and he opens the trunk, and we know exactly what's going oh, on. That's right. Yes. We don't know if she. I don't know. I wasn't expecting her to be appalled or anything, uh, but you get you know right away that she's in on it. He looks dead. I didn't use that much. You ruined it.
0: Oh, there it is.
1: And let me hear. Like, dang it, Dad! <laughs> like, I just asked you to do one thing, and you ruined it. Like, it's just this petulant it's kind thing. Kind of funny. Yeah, but, but is it before that though? When he presents her with the dress? I think it's right before. I think they okay. get him inside. I think I don't know I could be getting the sequencing messed up but um, she's in her room and the dad comes in and he pulls out from behind his back this big pink bag and she you know it looks very much if it, if we didn't know the context <laughs> at first it would seem like a very sweet moment between father and, and yeah, daughter yeah it's a very domestic scene it, very anyways. pretty and pink in yeah, fact like you is. mentioned <laughs> it's almost exactly yeah
0: um, she opens it up and she's thrilled and she's happy and she sees it and uh, the dad starts to leave the room and she says no 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 wait tell me how it looks on yeah it's a dress a dress and shoes and so she starts to strip down to her underwear and the dad is standing there watching and leering a bit well it's like he wants to look away at the same time he doesn't want to and she seems to be inviting it but not overtly right
1: and and the camera, like, I, I guess it's not exactly a point of view shot, but we're kind of seeing what he sees mm-hmm. as he's seeing it. And, like, it's kind of a slow pan up her body. I mean, she's not indecent. It's not anything that, you know, like a two-piece bathing suit wouldn't cover. She's in simple pink panties and a, a bra. But the way that the camera slowly pans up and it's kind of slow motion as her dress kind of comes up over her curves... You get there's a weird dynamic going on yeah. in this family, <laughs> and that is to and, say the very freaking least.
0: That ain't the half of it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, but you're yeah, right. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre all the way. This this movie does pull from a lot of different films and and so many different genres. It's I don't know. I mean, there's
1: there's a bunch of stuff that happens. Uh, Well, And there's a lot of cutting back and forth. Like, I feel like it during this interlude, we then cut back to Jamie and Mia who are now in the parking lot. Yeah. And this is your scene again in a film like Pretty in Pink. This is
0: this is what happens. You're cutting between these different couples who are having their different experiences at the mm -hmm. dance. And you're even cutting to home Mm -hmm. where the girlfriend is there, uh, Holly, and the guy's not showing up.
1: It's that whole, he stood me up kind of thing, and she doesn't know what to do, and the mother doesn't know where he is, and so... And the mom has gone out and looked for him, but he she obviously knew that Cliff was, like, his place or whatever, but he's not
0: there. The, the dog shows up, and the dog's been stabbed, and so they know that there's a problem... Yet, they are paralyzed. They can't really do anything. And so, to my mind, anyway, it still devolves into this poor girl who doesn't get to go to the dance kind of situation. Right. You know? In the meantime, this guy and uh, Mia, what was his name? Jamie. Jamie. Jamie and Mia are in the car, and this is what would normally be... This is the wild girl who's going to take this naive, excited guy uh, for a ride and show him a really good time.
1: But it doesn't quite end up like that. No, and it's... Already, you kind of start to see the humor kind of sapping out. I mean, there's still a little bit, like, he's awkward and uncomfortable. Um, He tries to get her to go in the dance, and she just sits in the car. So they end up just sitting in the car, smoking and drinking and... Music going. Right. (laughs) And it's hard to kind of talk about the, the movie in sequence because it cuts back and forth mm-hmm. so much. Um, after we see that, then we cut back to, well, we get like one of those, uh, you've seen it in movies all the time, when somebody wakes up and you kind of get the opening eye shot. Um, <laughs> and, and we get that the eyes open. We're seeing from behind the eyes as they open. And um, sitting at a table across from our perspective is the guy the guy that was the abductor? And he's just sitting there, very oddly and creepily, kind of like this weird grin on his face. There's a, a mirror ball, so the lights are spinning. It seems like there's decorations like hung around. Um, a big sign that says "End of School Dance." And then I loved this shot where he's looking straight at the guy, and Lola just leans into frame. <laughs> looking at him and smiling and she's all made up and she's got her hair i mean her hair is still down but it's you know nicely combed and she's got her pretty pink dress on and it's just the creepiest it thing. is
0: and she's a cute girl she is yeah uh but whoa <laughs> they've basically made their home up into the evil version of the school yes
1: <laughs> and right away i mean this thing's There's no slow build to the brutality of this. Things get brutal right away. Sitting on the table is some sort of bottle of liquid. And the dad... He's never given a name. I don't think she calls him Daddy. That's all yeah. we know. He hands her the bottle and a syringe, and she sucks this blue liquid up out of the bottle into the syringe. And the dad goes back behind Brent and holds on to him, and she takes whatever is in there. I assume some like cleaning solvent yeah, that's what or something. It seemed like some domestic cleaning solution it pulled right out of that. Bottle. And she stabs it into his neck and injects the whole thing, and he's. Screaming, but immediately the scream becomes muffled and scratchy, and they back away from him. And again, in just like the creepiest shot, we can't hear you. Mm-hmm. And they're laughing, and oh my gosh, it's so creepy. So immediately they disable his voice so that for the rest of the movie, he can't talk or, or yeah. scream or anything. And then it just gets batshit crazy from there. <laughs> <laughs>
0: It so does, and I'm so glad that we cut back to other stuff going on, because I don't know if I could sit there and take, you know, another martyrs-like situation where you're just watching this person just get
1: get hurt. It is Uh, tough. It is tough to watch. You're absolutely right. (laughs) It's nice that they give you little breaks, because even when the movie was over... (laughs) <laughs> we were both just kind of sitting here. I said, dang, that's exhausting. <laughs> it is. <laughs> it's a ride. Oh, man. Well,
0: anyway, she uh, she's doing a bunch of stuff to him. She's messing with him. He says he needs to pee, and so she's like, all right, and unzips his pants. Bring the hammer, Daddy.
1: I killed your dog with this. And a nail. You've got ten seconds to go, or Daddy's gonna nail it to the chair.
0: Uh, at some point, he does manage to escape. Oh, he's got that razor around That's his neck. That's right. He,
1: the razor around his neck, and I guess it falls down. How did down, he manage or? to get a hold of it? I don't remember. Oh, you know what? I I think the first time... He unties it. I think he gets it untied the first time, Oh, and then you're right. um, you know, and that's after she's done all kinds of weird stuff to him. Like they're sitting there eating chicken. Like oh yeah, like if nothing's like, going on. Finger licking good, and she's yeah. shoving it in his face, and he won't respond. And she, and then she tries to force him to like suck on her finger, and meanwhile, the dad is standing. By threateningly with a hammer and, he, and like, he seems to be getting a little jealous about uh-huh. it too. there's a really interesting sexual overtones going on here and there's also a mom a, apparently uh sitting there they they call her bright eyes and <laughs> uh she appears she's awake but she appears to be catatonic and very ominously she's got a big hole in her forehead or or yeah. The scars, the the aftermath of a hole in her head. Oh, and you know things are not going to go well. Um but yeah, they do all that weird finger sucky stuff and it does seem like the dad's kind of uh, getting a little bit jealous Um, but eventually he's able to he gets his hands free and then in some moment where they're distracted or something he rears up his feet uh, on the chair and just kicks her away right kicks her you know down into the table and he's able to get up and uh, his feet are still bound but he hops away he gets outside. The dad chases him outside but can't find him. Yeah. Um, so I guess the dad's going to get in the car to try to go look for him. That's what it seems like, and this
0: kid was under the car. Right, right? he was he manages him. to get all of his, his uh, restraints off. He, he took the thing off around his neck, yeah. But unfortunately, the dad sees him as he pulls away and chases him with the car. I thought that was an interesting parallel with him chasing him with the car, the car itself being a point of fear and sadness for this kid. And we get that POV shot of the dad behind the wheel. Looks like he's almost going to ram into him, but chases him up a tree instead. They come out and... Uh, The girl comes out, and he's up in the tree, and and just like he's an animal in the tree, Mm -hmm. they're starting to throw rocks at him, and she's really
1: getting off on it. Yeah, I mean, that's what makes it so sick. And I have to say, I don't know much about this actress. I don't even have her name written down. But she plays this so well. I mean, she is messed up. She is a psycho. She is an excellent movie psychopath. I mean, I guess, you know, there's nothing redeeming. You know, we talked before about... Villains having kind of shades of humanity and you know, shades of gray and whatnot. No, not here. She is just psycho.
0: Yeah, and you do kind of wonder how she got that way, or if she's just always been that way, or if it was some influence in the family. Because I think once they get him back, they tie him back up. And the next scene, well, well, yeah, they nail his feet into the floor, first of all. With these big steel, nails would not even, (laughs) that that would have been preferable. (laughs) I mean, they take these huge
1: steel knives and, and nail his feet into the floor.
0: And she starts showing him a book. Right, uh, and it's her scrapbook, and it's her scrapbook essentially of all the people she's done this to before, and it seems like it's quite a few. And it goes back to when she was a little girl, right? Because you're seeing an oh, it's a shot of her as a little girl next to this, you know, picture. But then the next shot is of one of the victims with their heart, you know, a big heart carved in their chest, mm-hmm. and another hole in their head. And there she is,
1: as a little girl posed. Yeah, next probably to him. like eight or nine or something like that. And you're like, oh man, this goes back for a ways. And, See, it, and now that that's... raises all kinds of questions exactly it does and that's kind of what I wondered now my thought was is just that she is literally so psychotic that even from the time that she was a young girl she has been able she's been in charge I think so she's been able to manipulate her father I don't know if the mother maybe had some objection at some point, and that's why she ends up in the state that she's in. I thought maybe the mother was one of their first victims, perhaps. Yeah. For that reason. Maybe. Maybe. Get her out of the way so then Lola has even more control. But she clearly has her dad under her thumb. Yes. Obviously. But, you know, keep the family unit together. Don't destroy mom like you
0: destroy everybody else. They're all still there. (laughs) You know, that's part of the comedy of this, I think, is that... They're a family. And and all of these families in this movie are damaged in some way. They're all messed up. They're all dealing with things. This is just the most
1: extreme one. Well, and see, there's so much weird... oh, so, such weird psychology going on between them because there's obviously tension between the mom, well, you can't tell if there's tension from her because she's catatonic, um, but Lola will say things to the dad, like, who's prettier, me or bright eyes? Or who Mm. "Who looks better, me or bright eyes? Um, And then he's reluctant to say much of it. He's like, well, you, you both look nice. And <laughs> she takes moments to kind of covertly torture. Sometimes covertly, sometimes not even so covertly, to torture bright eyes. So, uh, just the di- just the dynamic is really, and it makes you really uncomfortable yeah. <laughs> really effectively. It really does. <laughs> when, they're, when they're looking through this scrapbook, like you said, you know, she's getting progressively older. She says, and this is the one that got away. And Brent flashes back, he sees the photograph, and then he flashes back, and and that's kind of where he puts two and two together and realizes that that guy that he had seen in the road that he had had to swerve to miss that was one of her victims yep. and apparently the only one who had gotten away and we don't know what happened to him. Uh, all Lola says is he's probably dead by now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like you said, it's established they've been doing this for a while and not only have they been doing it for a while but they've got a routine mm-hmm. uh, and it's
0: uh, it's wild. I think when you talk about her mother, did you notice the parallels between her mother and his mother?
1: Yeah, a little bit. I mean,
0: yeah. I felt like her mom being in that catatonic state, not very far off from his mother. True. Who is completely castrated through this whole film. Yeah. Uh, All she does is stare out windows Uh, She doesn't really know what to do. When Holly comes back to the house, she's the one who's taking charge and making phone calls and trying to put two and two together to find Brent, whereas the mother almost seems helpless, uh, just sort of stumbling around Mm -hmm. in a way. Uh, She even has that same sullen look in her face. The actresses even looked very similar. They did, you're right. I I don't think that was a coincidence. Probably not. I think that there were some parallels there, as well as, you know, when we go back to the other couple, this is the kind of, the stuff that you get out of sweet sweet looking lola uh, is what you would have expected to get out of mia the absolutely goth girl but it turns out that mia has a different way of dealing with her pain in her life and that is she just you know goes inward and she's doing all this drinking and stuff we flash back to that scene where finally i'm never going to get his name Jamie. Just, Jamie. Jamie, Jamie. We're finally...
1: I'm writing it down for myself. Man, before you... Gosh, you really had your thinking cap on, dude. I I hadn't made all those parallels. Now you're saying all that stuff. I'm like, yeah. That's right. Good on you. We get back there where
0: Jamie and... Uh... <laughs> And Mia are in the car. (laughs) And he's like, let's go. Let's go into the dance, you know? And she opens the door and just falls Falls out. out. She's so out of it. But she's out of it emotionally, too. You know, not just because they've been smoking, not just because they've been drinking. And Jamie's in way over his head. Oh, yeah. And you can tell this is not the night he was expecting. This is not the fun time he was expecting.
1: Well, he's trying to roll with it. (laughs) He is.
0: Bless his heart. He really is. And he's trying just very much in the same way, you know, that... uh, Like, Holly has a similar way of dealing with Brent she doesn't get judgmental, she doesn't jump into him or lay onto him, but she displays an extraordinary amount of patience and understanding.
1: Well, yeah, but with Jamie and Mia, still, I mean, I feel like the director and the filmmakers almost were kind of tricking me because it still feels very much like that can't hardly, or not can't hardly wait, what's the American pie kind of thing Uh where all of a sudden now you've got this kind of, not nerdy, but you know, not the popular looking guy Yes. um, who now is on the, this date with this hot girl and she's gotten wasted and so now he's got this hot wasted girl on his hands and while at the same time he kind of has to take care of her and drag her around like he's proud to be seen you know at the dance with this girl Uh uh-huh and uh as they're (laughs) as they're slow dancing it's hilarious because everybody else in the dance is totally doing that like keep the ruler between you or whatever and she is virtually just passed out draped on him and everybody's looking at him and he's kind of looking around going yeah
0: (laughs) and then she Reaches her hand down to his crotch and starts to massage it and do something. I I don't know was she trying to unzip his pants and stuff too, right there? She's just messing around, yeah. And and that was hilarious because everybody else starts looking around and looking at him. He looks to another guy. Another guy kind of winks at him, like, yeah, dude. (laughs) But other people are just sort of horrified, and he is a bit uncomfortable about it as well. You know, he.
1: But it's still kind of playing for funny until she kind of looks up and sees the people watching. And says... What are you looking at? What are you looking at? Yeah. And, and it it then it's not so funny. It, right. You, you, you kind of get that kind of dark undertone. And then it kind of brings it right back to the humor where the principal or a teacher, or whoever taps him on the shoulder and says, if you want to do that kind of thing, take it somewhere else. Very mm-hmm. typical of those high school kind of movies. Um, but an interesting juxtaposition leading to something unexpected that I really didn't see coming. Meanwhile, we're back, we're <laughs> back, back at, at this house. horrible house. And again, it's just torture after torture i mean i can't even remember at one point she says i'm ready to draw on him now and fortunately thank god we didn't actually see her doing this but we see when it cuts to the after shot the first shot we see is just her holding up a Fork, a bloody fork. She is carved into this guy with a dinner fork. You know, not even not like a knife would be like, oh, thank you for the knife. Yeah. But, um she's carved this big heart in his chest, and I think um, L S Lola Stone ooh, on it. Yeah, or maybe it was her initial and his, I don't know. I couldn't tell. It was very bloody. Yeah. And then they throw salt on his wounds. That that is almost just funny right there. Actually, that
0: reminds me did you ever see Waxworks uh, or Waxworks? Yeah, too? I think I so. Touch of the one where there's this humorous scene with Bruce Campbell, and he's down in the torch chamber and half of his body's gone and then there's there's this fight going on in front of him and the big thing of assault gets thrown and of course it hits him, misses the other person and hits him and he's just getting... This is a, This just reminded me so much of that where, okay, this is, it's horrible but it's also... Almost so over
1: the top that it's it's a little goofy. I can see what you mean, but painful. (laughs) That's the thing. It just had me squirming in my in my seat. I mean, because he can't scream, so he has to express this terrible pain through his acting, and he does a really good job. Yeah, I mean, you can really see it in his face. He's sweating. His eyes are kind of glossed over. I mean, I don't even know. I couldn't take that. I would have been passed out. Oh yeah, hours ago. Yeah, Um, but. It's almost like he doesn't want to give her the satisfaction. Yes. At one point she, I think it's when the dad is hammering the knives into his feet, she sits straddling him on his lap saying, cry, cry. And she gets really adamant about it. He just refuses. He just stares at her. He's a really strong person. (laughs)
0: Yeah. You know, it's interesting that he has seemed so neutered up to this point and so ready to die. The resolve that comes into him now that he's faced with true and real pain. Right. Not the emotional pain of something that happened six months ago. And I feel like that's part of his character arc in this. I think is so. Is that faced with this now, this is going to be the cure. You know? Right. This is going to thrust his life into perspective, essentially.
1: Yeah. At some point, they, comes- they get him stood up, and they kind of do the dance thing where, again, it's her sappy song, and the dad is standing like over them, sprinkling glitter on them. Um, of course, they can't really move because he's nailed to the floor and he's wincing in pain as she kind of sways him back and forth. She tells him, When I find my prince, this is the song we're going to dance to at my wedding. You're just another frog! And then she reaches her hand up to her dad and says, Daddy, come come dance with me. And it's almost like it seems like he's slightly reluctant, but it's almost a, a balance of reluctance and desire. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. And um, so they go to dance and again it's just that
0: oof. she calls him his poor prince and there's a moment where they're leaning in to kiss mm-hmm. and just before that happens Brent has sat back down again Brent's been trying to get back to his um, to his razor to his I guess razor, he had got it on stuck in his pocket yeah. um, but he pulled it out of his pocket and then dropped it on the chair and that interrupts their their kiss and they turn and look to him again uh, a very dark comedic black version of one of these scenes from one of those films mm-hmm. where they're the two true loves are about to kiss and then they get interrupted right um but a much more sick and twisted version of that and and then we flip back to the girl uh to Jamie and Mia mm-hmm. and they're doing it in the back of the mm-hmm. oh she just gets all you know she gives him what he wants basically it's like do me and so they start doing it <laughs> there's a knock on the on the door and uh <laughs> reaches over and he kind of wipes the steam off the window and then he like rolls the window down and this guy says when i said to get out of here i meant get off school grounds yeah (laughs) like oh they were still like in the parking lot or something outside the school it was that
1: was pretty funny and i don't really think that this is the correct sequence but he takes her home yeah Um, jamie takes Mia home and you know she's Conscious, but just kind of barely. Her dad is the cop. This is the cop that Holly and, and Brent's mom have been talking to about him being missing. And the cop has, you know, found his broken iPod or cell phone or whatever it was. So they know that there's probably something bad going on. Um, but uh, when, when Jamie takes Mia home... You think that it might kind of be this either awkward or angry uh, exchange between the father and the daughter or the father and the guy who's brought the daughter home in this condition, Um, but she just turns and hugs him, like gives him a big hug. And then turns and walks in without saying anything to her dad, and the dad just he doesn't really say anything. He just kind of uh, looks at Jamie, and Jamie makes a joke and so it, it's funny, something like well, I guess I danced her off her feet or something like that, <laughs> and haha, it's funny. But then the dad walks inside and he walks to her room, and you can hear from the other side of the door that she's crying, sobbing. Um, and he opens the door and you see her with her back to him, laying on the bed, and I'm pretty sure she said. Why can't you find my brother? Isn't that what she said? Yep. And then he goes and lays back down with his wife, and we see on their nightstand a picture of a teenage boy. It's the boy. It, it's, it was one of Lola's boys. It's the one that Valentine, got away. So-and-so Valentine. Right. It's yeah. the one that got away. And so now we realize that the reason that she's been engaging in all this destructive behavior is because she is broken, having lost her brother. And that's the point where I'm like, oh man, I guess that wasn't so funny. You know, she's, she's really in a really bad place and you feel bad for her and her whole family.
0: Yeah. She and Brent are in very similar situations. Yeah. I feel like this whole, this whole film is just showing us how different people deal with the prospect of going on when they've suffered a great Mm -hmm. loss and whether or not, they even want to go on.
1: And the fact that you can show something so serious in such a crazy movie, I mean, the the torture stuff, the psycho stuff, is just that. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. I mean, she is just a lunatic. But underscoring all of that is really some real human emotion. And at least in the other characters, she's just crazy. But the other characters have real stuff that they're dealing with. Uh, And it does. It kind of puts a dark spin on it that I didn't really... I mean, dark in a sad way. Right, sad as, kind of dark. right.
0: Um, it's on a very dark movie.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I mean, then we're we're getting near the end. Um, we see what is going to happen to Brent. The daddy pulls back a large section of the carpet and there's these big trap doors underneath. And they open them up and you hear stuff from down below. And I don't know if I caught this the first time, but it's the same muffled kind of screaming that uh, Brent has been doing. Mm-hmm. So I guess this is some of her Former victims that they have now kept in the in the cellar, which is another above and beyond moment. We were not expecting no,
0: this. No. Okay, so she killed all these people. Blah blah blah. No, they haven't even killed these people. Right. They have been keeping them underneath the house in this sort of feral darkness. Uh, Tossing in roadkill for them
1: to eat, uh, oh my and that it, we we know. I mean, it's uh, that's going to be Brent's fate. And the way that they keep these people, well, first of all, I mean, they're in a huge like cement pit. You know, they they couldn't get out. But I guess the way that they keep them from strategizing or planning or whatever is um, they drill holes in their heads and then pour in boiling water. Um, and they start that process with Brent. I mean, she takes it on the jacket, the, oh, yeah. the video jacket. That's what you see. You see her in this pink dress with this hand drill. And she says, this is my very first drilling. Mm-hmm. So now we
0: also know that dad's been doing it this whole time. Right? And this is her first time doing it, which <laughs> allows for a little bit of really dark comedy when she can't quite do it right or right? She, whatever. But it's
1: also obviously extremely brutal. Right. <laughs> and, and she does it. I mean, the first time I was watching this movie, I'm thinking, no way. She won't go through no it. No way. Yeah. I thought, you know, somebody's going to bust in. The phone's going to ring. Uh, something's going to happen right at the last minute. But no, she totally drills the hole in his head. Meanwhile, he's conscious this whole time. But right at, well, and then she tries to pour the water in, but the hole is too small. So she asks the dad to make it bigger, which he starts wow. to do. And you can hear it. You can hear the bone chipping. You can see smoke coming up from the burning flesh. It's- horrible oh it's so gross but at that moment he's able to uh untie he was well, able to cut the the ropes around his wrist and he jumps up and slashes the razor blade across daddy's face and then there's a whole ruckus um, and the whole time you're going yes yeah, yes thank god give it to these people
0: every which way you can
1: finally yeah he thr- and he stabs dad in the neck like oh, 10 times yes. and you're like thank you thank you <laughs> Yeah, stabs him in the neck, and then eventually... um, Pushes him into into the the pit. Into the pit, and the... Whatever you want to call him down there, just... Start going to town on his face right. Which is a fantastic moment At the
0: same time the dumb idiot Is just s- sitting there by the edge of the pit In horror mm-hmm. And what happens of course Is she comes up behind him And chucks him into the pit
1: Right? He They had tussled a little while too And he was able to get in some good punches to the face And again you're like yes give it to her <laughs> uh, You've been waiting for these people To get their comeuppance for so long But then he he's down in the pit Meanwhile, Holly remembers that Brent had told her that it was Lola who had asked him to the dance the so, only lead she's got right so she and it seems like kind of a loose lead it's you know it's kind of funny <laughs> she She calls the cop uh, in the middle of the night um, and he immediately gets in the car and drives out there. <sighs> And things get a little silly you yeah. know like he he looks in the window and he sees blood everywhere but of course he doesn't call back up um he just breaks in and um then he hears uh brent is like throwing things at the the metal door so he hears he's down there and you know what's going to happen yeah. you know he he opens the doors and uh brent sees him standing up there in the light but we see also Lola coming up behind him and Brent tries to point, but as the cop turns around, he gets like a, it's almost it, like an ax in the face or something like a meat cleaver meat or cleaver. something yeah. to the face. And then he gets uh, down in the pit too. And that was a sad part too. Cause yeah. I'm thinking, God, this poor guy and now his poor daughter who's already lost the brother and now has lost her, her dad. It's oh. kind of a sad thing. And Lola goes in smothers bright eyes says good night mommy and then she comes back and she looks a mess i mean she's beaten up she's got blood on her lips and her hair's disheveled and she just looks down at him and says now i'm going to your house and i'm gonna stab your mom in the throat like you stabbed my daddy in the throat and then i'm gonna go to holly's house and i'm gonna stab her in the heart just like you did me and meanwhile he's trapped down there. I mean the the door's gotta be the trap door above's gotta be like eight feet above him oh, yeah, at least. At least. More than that. Yeah. And uh He's stuck down there, and we see Lola, and again, it's this great shot. I loved that shot of her. She's, like, walking across a field, and it's kind of in muted color, almost even a little out of focus. Mm -hmm. And it's just this golden sunset, and you just see kind of the pink triangle of her dress walking all the way across the screen. With a knife, carrying Mm -hmm. a knife. And then that interesting shot of her...
0: Well, this comes a minute or two later after he figures out how to escape, which is to pile. Actually, probably a good thing the cop was down there. It was probably just the extra body he needed yeah. uh, to pile up on top of the bones in order that all the bones that were down there. Well,
1: and the ca- he had had to kill those cannibals. That's uh, right too. Um, So he piled all those up and he's kind of able to get out. Meanwhile, Holly, I guess it's morning now and she hasn't heard anything back from the cops. So I think she's going out to Lola's house. I don't know how she knows where she lives, but she's headed out there. She's driving or something, at least driving down the road for some reason. Right. Then we see Lola carrying her scrapbook, all bloodied, very slowly just walking down the center of the highway with this huge, huge butcher knife, singing her little ditty and that goes on for quite a long time i mean it was a, a long shot which made it i thought very uncomfortable you know mm-hmm. it's just showing the depth of her psychosis
0: and it's that song mhm same yeah. one uh, it's almost the point in the movie where we get this the musical interlude of the theme song
1: yeah you know <laughs> <laughs> Um Holly comes down the road and Lola sees her before, before Holly sees Lola. And so she goes off to the side of the road. And so as Holly's driving, all of a sudden something hits her windshield. And then we see kind of in slow motion the pages of the scrapbook falling down around the car. And then Lola appears outside the door. Yeah. And uh, opens the door.
0: And uh, Holly is... There's just this moment between the two of them where they're staring at each other and Lola or Holly sees the chain, the necklace with the razor
1: blade on it hanging from Lola. Yeah, she had picked it up off the floor out of a puddle of blood and mm-hmm. put it on.
0: And again, I thought this was an interesting parallel with that scene in the movie where the two girl j- jealous girlfriends come to fight over the same guy. Fight. Yeah, exactly. Except in this case, <laughs> it's a very literal fight mm-hmm. because one person has a knife and is very intent on killing the other there's no music behind this part Mm -hmm. it does kind of go into silence and just them fighting in a way it is a little comical i think the parallel makes it comical and also i mean i hate to say it, but it's almost like a bit of a cat fight kind of thing yeah it is they're struggling against each other they fall out of the car they kind of roll around a little bit and then but it's not that bad because holly is able to jump up and run off and lola's running after her Mm -hmm. down the
1: street yeah. yeah and so they're just running meanwhile like we said uh Brent piles up the bodies and is able to get out and as Holly and uh, as Mia is chasing Holly down the middle of the highway. Here comes the cop car, uh, and Brent is driving it. And there's a moment where, because Holly's in the lead, you're afraid that he's going to hit her, and it almost happens. You know, they he comes over a hill, and she's kind of cresting the hill too, coming the opposite direction. And he sees her, but he's able to swerve around her, and he hits Lola instead. Runs her down uh, in the road. And it's a direct parallel to what happened before. Yep. He swerved around the one guy, except instead of hitting a tree, mm-hmm. he hits Lola. So right. it's a good thing. So Holly runs to the car. She gets in. She's immediately horrified by what she sees, but then they kind of embrace. <laughs> and then again, just such a. Oh, I just don't recall really. See, just to show how psycho she is, now you've got Lola bloodied in her. L- limbs are like akimbo, like she's broken in every place, and she's got the knife in her hand, and with the knife and with her elbows, she's dragging herself towards the car with this just look of complete rage on her face. And they, both Holly and Brent, kind of turn around in the car and see her, and uh, he starts to back up, and then it's just a very very long, slow pan on Lola's face until... and that's it yeah and you
0: wanted that to happen so badly right but at the same time it does appear to be in trying to engender the smallest amount of sympathy for lola because it's a very slow 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 pin not just into her face but into her eyes Mm -hmm. and we've had that shot in that in this movie multiple times we've had that shot going into brent's eyes when he's spaced out and and worrying about his uh you know getting back into his head about his dad we have that shot coming into his mother's eyes where she's staring out the window in just one of these scenes mm-hmm. and i believe we also had a similar shot uh, into the eyes of uh, the the policeman father as he was laying down in the bed. Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, you're right. It seems to be trying to draw parallels between all of these characters.
1: I agree, but I would also say that again. I mean, she's so crazy. I didn't feel any sympathy for her, but I thought that it was a really interesting shot because I thought that the reason that it was so slow, even though in you know in reality it would have been a a, a, a very fast moment. But it's kind of her slowly coming to the realization that it's over, that she's not in charge anymore. Mm. That that she's, lo- I mean, she has been so determined yeah. throughout, and then you know she kind of realizes, I, I, I lose. That's true. It could be. I kind of almost saw it
0: as a surrender. Yeah, maybe. You know, at um, at that moment where she knew what was going to happen and she was just going to let it happen. Again, it might be a bit of a stretch to say that there are direct parallels there, but again I just I see this movie as as how people deal with loss in different ways. And we don't know enough of her backstory to be able to draw a complete parallel. True. And the fact that her mom's death had to be somewhat sanctioned by her mm-hmm. or whatever. I kept looking for some kind of evidence or some kind of proof that Lola at one time had a sibling.
1: There was one of the pictures in the scrapbook where there was another little boy with her when she was young. I don't know mm. if that was a brother or if it was just a really early victim like she's been doing this even since like grade school. I I don't I don't know. Cuz if that were the case then
0: the parallels are strikingly obvious, you mm. know. Each one of these families is dealing with the loss of mm. a of a of a kid in vastly different ways. Right.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I mean there's one last scene. It's actually kind of a silly scene. I get why they wanted to do it. Um they to allow the mother to be reunited with her son. I mean <laughs> Obviously, one would think they would go to the hospital first. He's got this drilled hole in his head, um, but it's but it's you know it's a nice moment where the three of them, the mom and Holly and and Brent, all embrace, and then that's the end of the movie, and it just kind of cuts to the credits. Uh, well, actually, it's the title card again with just the kind of glittery stuff falling down. You know what, Todd? I'm surprised you liked this movie. Really? I, you know the more the more I thought about it, preparing for today, I thought he might think that it's kind of mean-spirited and violence for violence' sake. You didn't feel that way? No, not at all. No, okay, this is... Good. No, I mean, and and you're right, because that is a criticism
0: I often have of these torture porn mm-hmm. movies. But like I said at the beginning, when we started talking, I felt like this movie had an underlying message that this violence was one way of delivering it. I wouldn't say that the message was necessarily directly connected to the violence, right. but the violence and the level of brutality between that lola and her father inflicted on that guy just had me constantly searching my brain for why 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 Mm -hmm. and i feel like there's an answer there somewhere even if we're never going to find it because there's so much time spent in the rest of the film on these other very damaged people who are doing self-destructive things Mm -hmm that this just seems like a mirror image of that kind of pain and how they're dealing with it. I just felt there was a message there somewhere, and it kept me interested and kept me intrigued. Well, good. If good. it, had, if you had taken out everything else, you know, if it had been just about this guy getting captured, which is how I felt Wolf Creek was. Right, yes. Um, I... I that to date, that is, I think, just one of the most despicable movies I've seen. Well, and also an Australian film too, right? It is, yeah. Mm. Maybe that's just coming to my head because it's also an Australian film. But um, I know a lot of people loved that film too. But I, I just didn't feel that there was a message behind it, mm-hmm. like there was behind. It was just movies. gratuitous. Yeah, it was gratuitous, and it was and it was gross. And even when this movie could be gratuitous it didn't always go. Not there. always,
1: right. You know? I mean, it's definitely gory, folks. If oh, you, yeah. If you... Uh, I this am, was hard for me to watch. It, me too. And this <laughs> kind of stuff doesn't usually bother me, but it, it was tough. It, it's... And it's it's well done. I mean, I think it's executed well, um, but it is it is very, well, very violent, very bloody. And part of what makes it tough is the characters were real. The
0: the guy, we, we really got to know and feel for Brent in so many different ways and the pain he was going through. Right. To see him going through this, this real pain uh, on top of his emotional pain and guilt and feeling, of course you're rooting for him. Of course you're on his side. And of course you care. And it hurts that much more. Right. As opposed to oh, what was that other one I watched last year I was really bothered by? Oh. Would You Rather? Would You Rather, yeah. Where I felt like you get introduced to these characters when they're not carbon cutouts, you don't know a thing about them, but you get to see horrible things happen to them. Right. That, to me, is gratuitous.
1: Well, and right. And in that movie, they were just setting it up. You know, they just had to come up, how can we get a bunch of people in a room and then torture them? Yeah. Um, There's more to this than that, I think. There really is. And the parallels
0: are so strong with some John Hughes. This is like John john hughes in his twilight years when he's off his rocker oh, gosh, and yeah. decides to go on a whole yeah, different direction yeah, absolutely. you know <laughs> well thank you for listening to another episode of two guys in a chainsaw if you enjoyed this podcast please share it with a friend like us on facebook leave us a comment we love to hear what you think until next week i'm todd and i'm craig with two guys in a chainsaw